Hello, good to see you. We're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians this morning. We're going to be continuing our series, Walking in the Spirit, Living Life in the Spirit. We're looking at the huge difference the Holy Spirit makes to every aspect of our lives. And I hope that's uh, been helpful for you so far as we've looked at different areas and aspects of our lives together. This morning, we're going to be looking at giving in the Spirit, the difference the Holy Spirit makes to our giving. The background to this passage, I say we're, in, uh, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The background to this passage is the Apostle Paul is going around the Gentile churches, uh, taking up a financial collection uh, to give to the uh, poverty-stricken believers in Jerusalem. And it's not just about money. Actually, there's poverty and, and famine all over uh, that part of the world. But there's a, there's a wonderful unity of God's people that, that Paul is uh, um, exhibiting and building, if you like, and expressing as one gives to another. So it's a wonderful passage, going to really going to help us as we think about giving in the Spirit. So I'm going to read uh, chapter 9. In fact, Paul's already been talking about this uh, whole deal with them in chapter 8, and we're picking it up in chapter 9, where he says, Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry of the saints, for I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Archaea has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some of the Macedonians come to me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift and not as an extraction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever." He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now, it's a, it's a rich passage and we're going to just look at a few things. We'll draw out a few things from it. We're going to look at the intriguing nature of this passage. We're going to look at the new nature of a believer. We're going to look at the glorious nature of God. 
and we're going to look at the inescapable nature of reality. So I'm hoping there's something there for, uh, for each one of us. There's something for us to, uh, to get hold of and, uh, and understand. I'll, we'll have a quick aside about tithing, as that often comes up in this context, and then we'll finish with a, a short encouragement to keep us going and growing in this glorious grace of giving. So first of all, the, the intriguing nature of this passage, I don't know if it struck you as it struck me when I read it a few days ago. Paul says it's superfluous to write to you about giving. He's already spent a chapter doing so, and he goes on another chapter doing so. He's writing to them about giving. He knows their readiness to give, yet he keeps kind of mentioning it. He's, there seems to be some concern that they might not be ready to give. He boasts about their giving, but he doesn't want his boasting to be empty and to be left with egg on his face, not to mention uh, on theirs. He wants a willing gift, yet it seems to me he's applying some gentle pressure in this passage to encourage them to give. It's this tension in the passage that captures my attention, and it draws us in to think more deeply about this dynamic of giving in the Spirit. We want to give, but we sometimes do find it difficult. We're zealous to give, but sometimes we need a reminder to follow through. We don't need much encouragement to give, but if you're anything like me, sometimes I do need some. We don't need to be taught masses about giving, but we do benefit from some instruction. We're quick to give often spontaneously, but a little planning and forethought can help our giving uh, from not becoming sporadic. Our good intentions sometimes need a gentle nudge to result in action. There's something of this going on in this passage. You see the tension that's going on here as I read it out. So that's the intriguing nature of this passage that draws me in. I want to think about it a little bit more and draw some things out of it. And so the first thing I want to look at is the new nature of the believer. Because the Christian has a new nature. It's a new creation that's come forth in a believer. If you're a Christian, there's something new coming through in you. I don't know about you, but for me, when I first put my trust in Jesus, I began to experience something happen from the inside out. I wasn't being forced and coerced on the outside. It wasn't expectations that were changing the way I was living and acting and thinking. It was something on the inside. There was a new creation coming through. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you're born from above. There is uh, something new about you, a new nature. And part of that nature is to give, and we'll look at why that is in just a moment. But it's also fair to say there are also forces and um, things that we experience or feel that cause us to pull back from giving sometimes, as wholeheartedly as, as, as something in us wants to do. They're both these things going on. And I thought I'd illustrate it with a couple of illustrations. I don't, it might be a bit out of date now, but... Did anyone remember Scale Electrics? You do? Oh, good. Fantastic. And uh, did, you, did you, as a young child, spend ages kind of polishing the tracks and uh, putting, was it some kind of liquid on it, and you're rubbing them, get, kind of get all the, uh, the rust off, and then you, you put your car on the tracks, and uh, you, off, you squeeze the, the trigger, and whoosh, off it goes. But sometimes it got to a little bit of the track, you perhaps you hadn't cleaned properly, and it stops. And you have to kind of go over to it. You just give it a gentle tap, didn't you? Just, just a tap, a nudge, and the car kind of goes speeding off again. 
It's, it's not that you have to put your hand on the car and just kind of make the noises and take it around the track all the time. It, it, it's meant to go around the track. It's empowered to go around the track. And yet sometimes when it gets stopped, it just needs a gentle nudge. There's something of that going on in this passage. They just need a gentle nudge. But maybe you haven't got to scare electrics. Maybe your thing is, well, um, no, well may, I, saw a, I saw a horse being born the other day. And uh, it was on TV. You know, I, I don't, <laughs> you have to wait a long time in a field to see something like that, I assume. So, uh, brilliant, we've got TVs now. So I was just looking at the TV. That's probably, probably YouTube. I don't know why it suggested it to me. I mean, uh, I like um, uh, computer graphics and, uh, and theology. And so for some reason, it put two and two together. And so I'll just show them a horse video, just in case. A horse being, it might come in handy in a preach. And it did. I don't know how did they know it. But anyway. So this, this, this fold just kind of it fell out, uh, and it was flailing around on the, on the floor. It's kind of legs flailing around. But what caught my attention was the, the mother's nose then got down, and it began to nudge this fold. And it, it couldn't kind of, it didn't help the fold up in a way. It, it couldn't get the fold's legs moving. There's a limitation to, to a nose like that. But it, it was just nudging it. But sure enough, after a few, few minutes, this fold got up. And it was sort of standing on its, kind of, its wobbly feet. And it began to move about. And it began to then leap about and bounce around. It only took a little while. It just took a nudge. Because it was the foal's nature to walk. A little encouragement from the mother. And it was up and about. And this is true for the believer. This is true for the follower of Jesus. There's a new nature that has come about. You don't need coercion. You don't need manipulation. You don't need kind of uh, emotional, kind of uh, the right atmosphere. There's something in the nature of a believer where you just want to give. And yet sometimes you need a gentle nudge. Not like you need someone all the time kind of going on about it. Just a gentle nudge in the right direction. This is what it's like for someone born of the Spirit. But we still have old habits and old ways of thinking that are still there. It's not like our thinking has completely changed. There's a transformation in our thinking that happens over time. There are habits and even un unhelpful understandings about giving. Well, we'll look at that in just a moment. We're learning, aren't we, most of us, all of us really, what it is like to walk in the Spirit. We're like that little fold with, with giving. We, kind of, we want to give. We, it's in our nature to give, and yet there's a, sometimes a hesitancy, and, sometimes a, but, and then sometimes we're released into a wonderful, joyful kind of jumping about the field and, and giving and enjoying that. Because we're born from above. If you know Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus, you are, you, 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 you're born from above. You're born by the Spirit. You're born by the Holy Spirit. You're born by God's Spirit. This is where our new nature comes from. It comes from who God is. So now let's look at glory, the glorious nature of God. We've looked at the new nature of the believer as we're born from above, but this is where the source of our nature comes from. What is God like? We can look at his, the glorious nature of God, who is a giver. God is a giver. He gives and gives and gives and gives again. Paul reminds him about Psalm 112, where he says, he, talking about God, he has distributed freely. He's given to the poor. This is, it's who God is. It's his nature to do that. He gives power to the faint. We've already kind of heard that this morning. It's just who he is. It's what he does. It comes from his very nature. God gave us his son. Whoever, um, whoever believes in him, God so loved the world that whoever, uh, he gave his only son. 
Sorry, I'm, I'm messing up the most famous verse in the Bible there, <laughs> John 3, 16. But for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, that's right at the heart of the, the gospel of grace. God gives, gives his son. We haven't given anything. We've kind of amounted a lot of bad stuff. We've done everything wrong. We've disqualified ourselves from, from his, uh, his goodness, his love, his reward, everything. And yet, because it's the nature of God to give, he gave his son to us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. That's what this whole preaching series is about. How much more will our Heavenly Father give the Spirit to those who ask? That's uh, Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus teaches about the Spirit. It says, God, the Father, is a giver. Earthly fathers know how to give to their children for the, for the most part. How much more will God give to those who ask? Because God is a giver. It's his nature. He who did not withhold his own son, how will he not also in him give us all things? Because God is a giver. He loves to give. It's his nature to give. When he's giving, he's demonstrating who he is. The purpose of everything is to glorify God. But the glory of God is showing and sharing what he is like. And since God is a giver, his giving is his glory. When he gives, it demonstrates and it shows and it shares what he is like. It's the glory of God that he gives in the way that he does. The, the, the grace with which he gives, he freely gives. Moses said to the Lord, show me your glory. This is in Exodus 33:18. So the Lord passed before him. It was in a cloud and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. As this, in, the, the glory of God was revealed, albeit in a kind of a hidden way here. He was gracious. He loves to give. He gives freely. This is who God is. And of course, what was hidden in that cloud, what there was a kind of a, a hiddenness in some of these revelations, was fully revealed in Jesus, who gives himself to die on a cross for us, to pay for our sin. The giving of the Son of God is the glory of God because it reveals what he is like. It, it shows what he is like. It is what he is like. The subject of, uh, as in the grammatical subject of 2 Corinthians 9 verse 13, is ambiguous in the Greek, but I'll, I'll give you my paraphrase. The testing, proving process of this service of giving glorifies God through the way you are not just proclaiming, but practicing the gospel by sharing what you have with others. The testing, proving process of this service of giving, giving away, it glorifies God, says Paul, through the way you are not just proclaiming the gospel, but practicing the gospel by sharing what you have with others. He's saying that generous giving displays the genuineness of your faith and gives glory to God. It's almost as if those, the little electrical kind of wire things are connecting by faith to God, who is a giver. And as that happens in us by the Spirit, we start to give. We don't just say things, but we do things. And in our giving, God is glorified because we're here on this earth to demonstrate what he's like, to, to be his representatives, to cover the earth with his glory by living in a way that is representative of him. Submitted to him, trusting in him. And as we give, we wonderfully do that in different ways. You notice, though, time and time again, Paul stresses that they should give willingly, not under compulsion, not extracted like a tooth 
but freely, self-initiated almost, from, from the heart, given cheerfully even, because that's what God's giving is like. He's not giving begrudgingly. He's not wishing he didn't have to give. It's his very nature to give. And so he is most glorified in us when we, we, share, we share that, we express that ourselves, and we give freely in an unforced, joyful way. It's God's desire. He gives to us like that. It's wonderful hearing that encouragement this morning to, to take, this, to take our, our desperation and run into him and bring it to him. Why do we do that? Because he's a giver. There's this, this, this wind of giving that's coming continually from God. And yet the bizarre thing is, sometimes we run away from that. But in the gospel, he calls us to turn around and face into the wind of his, his gracious, glorious giving and receive it. And as we receive it, we're lifted up, we're restored. As we receive his death for us in our place, as we receive his spirit into our lives, as we receive his forgiveness, we're lifted up. We become like him in our giving. God is a giver. And so this kind of, this, this sort of thinking kind of helps me understand how Paul is, is walking a kind of a tightrope in this passage. See, he can't, he can't force, he can't coerce, he can't manipulate, because that would undermine and invalidate, really, the whole, the whole aspect and purpose of their giving to glorify God. Once you give begrudgingly, I don't really want to do this, but I have to. There's something ugly about that, not godly about that at all. So he's just giving them a gentle nudge. He can nudge, but he, he can't push. He can encourage, but he can't compel. He can provoke, but he can't demand that they give and force them to give. Wonderfully, though, it's not such a difficult task. You might think, I mean, um, there's something in the nature of a believer, as we've already said, that you just need a nudge. I just need a nudge. You see, God gives to us in such a way that changes us. We comfort with the comfort that we're given. We forgive because we are forgiven. We love because he first loved us. We give because he has given to us. That's how it works. There's God's giving comes to us and releases us and empowers us and enriches us to give like him. Paul talks about the surpassing grace of God that is upon them and is upon us. It's because we've received what Paul calls God's inexpressible gift, which is the Lord Jesus, the best gift that could ever be given to us. The Lord has given to us in the person of his Son. And this gift has been called by, by others, the divine gift which inspires all gifts. It's when you receive the Lord Jesus into your life, when you receive the Holy Spirit into your life, it inspires giving in us. It becomes our nature. God changes us from the inside out when he gives to us and empowers us to join in his generous giving. Verse 11 says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous on every occasion. God gives to us, not just to meet our needs, although he does do that, but he gives to us so that we can join in and enjoy the grace of giving. We can enjoy him in his giving to others. So now we're going to move on to the inescapable nature of reality. See, one of the things that can hold us back from giving is not understanding the nature of reality not understanding how God's made the reality, well, reality to be, the universe to be. It can be a misunderstanding about how things actually operate. And Paul reminds them of the way things are when he says this, this phrase in verse 6. 
You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. That is how the universe is set up. Because God is who he is, that is how his universe works. You reap what you sow. This is why Jesus said it's better to give than receive. That's how things work. It's genuinely better to give than receive. Because God is at the the bottom of reality. And he is a giver. And so his universe, the way he's created it, this principle just works out. You, You reap what you sow. It's better to give than receive. In fact, God himself, he, he gives his son. And his, everything is better because of that. He re, he, in fact, he sows one son, but he reaps millions, if not billions of sons. Many, many more. He's richer for it. We sow, well, we reap what we sow. When we sow sin, we, we reap destruction. It's just how reality is. It's how it works. When you sow your life, when you give your life away, as Jesus gave his life away, that's how you find your life because that's how reality works. That's how the universe works is this principle. It's right deep down at a base level. It's better to give than receive. You you reap what you sow. That's genuinely how it works out. This is true in the natural, of course. Uh, Again, if you're out in the field with me sowing seed, if you sow sparingly, you are going to reap sparingly. That is just how it works. If you sow generously, by and large, all things being equal, I know this is not perfect, but you will reap more. The more you sow, the more you will reap. It's also true for giving. In fact, it's, it's more so true for giving. The more you give, the more you will reap. If you sow sparingly, if you give sparingly, you'll receive sparingly. If you give generously, you'll receive generously. Whatever you give as giving to the Lord by faith, trusting in him to meet your needs, and ultimately being a sacrifice to him and his expression of love and gratitude to him. As we do that, I tell you, the the fact the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, you're guaranteed a return. I forget what he says. It's like 30, 40, 100. I think it it changes. He says, you get a lot more back. But there are a few things that we need to to be diligent about this and to understand correctly that we must kind of mention on our way through this. And the first is that we don't give primarily to get. That's not the reason to give. That's not the reason, in fact, God gives. We give because we love. That's the motivation. When you, you, you care about someone, you care about God and his plans and purposes, you care about the people around us. We give out of love because we genuinely want their good. And that is how it is with God. We're not a means to an end with him. He genuinely cares about us. He loves us. He loves you. And his giving to you is because he loves you. Now, wonderfully, there's a, this principle is in, in operation that everyone is enriched through that. But so it is with us. We give because we love. We give out of love and care and concern. But as we do that, we can be encouraged that there is a return. The second kind of thing just to note on, in passing here is that as we sow even in the natural, there is a time delay. It's not like you kind of, imagine how great that would be. You're just a farmer, and the minute the seed hits the ground, whoosh, up comes the corn. I'd, I'll be out there sowing all day. I don't know about you. Just everywhere I go, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be I don't know, writing things in seed and uh, looking on Google Earth and stuff like that. Just to, it, but it's not how it works. You have to wait weeks. You have to wait months before you see even a kind of a tiny little shoot that comes up. And the farmer has to wait. I, don't, I have no idea how long 
uh, until there's a whole field full of corn. It takes time. It will come, but it takes time. And sometimes when we give to see the fullness of the return, to see this deep principle of the universe in operation, that because of God, of who God is, uh, be fulfilled in our lives. Sometimes you have to wait, I don't know, it might be minutes, it might be millennia, it might be until Jesus returns that we see the full harvest from our giving. But make no mistake, this, operate, this, this principle is at work in the, in the world. So we might have to wait. And yet just the third principle, just to balance that, is that it's not all way off in the future. There is a taste and now of what's to come. And even in our giving now, there is a, a taste and, 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 a, and a, an experience and a seeing of this principle. So as we give, we, we experience the goodness of that giving in different ways. One of the, the ways, I mean, sometimes it's, it's mixed. We've heard this morning there's pain in the offering. And sometimes it is painful to give. It's, there's a mixed thing that's going on, two things that are going on. But nevertheless, we can experience something of the, the, the joy and the reward of giving even now. Perhaps one of the ways is, by, is, being, prevent, is being kept safe from the love of money. There's something about money that it, 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 when it captures our hearts, you get more miserable. It, it shrinks our capacity for joy when we love money. Nothing wrong with having lots of money. It's, it's the love of money, says Jesus, is the root of all kinds of evil. It leads to nowhere good. Once we put our affection on money, and that becomes a driving force in our life, and we begin to orbit around it, it doesn't give you anything. It doesn't give, it doesn't give us what we really want. There's nothing there. It's a, it's a, it's an, it's a fake God. The real God is a God who gives. But as we, if we put our love on money, it just seems to suck the joy out of us. I know it's a cliche, but you, the, the rich misers and so on. It's because of this principle working out. So it keeps us from that as we give away. But also, there's something about giving which enlarges our capacity for joy. Have you experienced something of that? I mean, even in the pain, I know when I come to give sometimes, it's mixed kind of feelings and, and so on going on. But as I give, I, found, I find my capacity for joy increased because I'm expressing my love. God is, God's Spirit is working in me, enlarging my love for, for Him and for others in the, in the giving. There's a wonderful transaction, more than financial, that happens as we give. So we come into the enjoyment of, of sharing in what God is doing. God loves to give away. He actually likes it. He, he gives to you joyfully. He gives to me joyfully. It's not, oh, no, I've got to give to Marcus again. He absolutely loves it. And if you're a parent, you'll know you just love giving to your, your children things that are good. God loves to give to you. There's something wonderful about giving. And sometimes our thinking's not right about this. This is why Paul is telling them, this is the principle in the universe. You reap what you sow. You, old ways, lies, misunderstandings, uh, past experiences might confuse you about that, might try and trick you. But make no mistake about it. This is how it works. You reap what you sow. I'll make a quick note about tithing, and then we'll finish. Only because often, you know, you talk about tithing and so You might not have heard about tithing. You might know what, what it is at all. It just means a tenth. And the first time you kind of come across it, well, I come across it as I read through the Bible, is Abraham. Abraham, um, Abraham perhaps as he's called at that at time, I can't remember. But uh, he's, God's just blessed him. He's already blessed him. God's been good to him. 
he's gone off to his um, nephew Lot's been captured. He's gone and rescued Lot. He's come back with all the goods that have been taken as well. So it's Lot and, and all the loads of stuff that have been taken. He's, he's got that all back. And then he meets this guy Melchizedek, who's a strange, mysterious character uh, in, the, in the Old Testament. And mentioned the New as well, in fact. He's a priest of the, of the Most High. He's a... Um, he kind of reminds us of Jesus, but it's a bit mysterious. I don't know quite who he is, but he's a, he's a priest of the Most High. So in a sense, he's a representative of God. And he comes to uh, an intermediary type of thing, and he comes to, to Abraham, and he, he blesses him. He just puts blessing on, on Abraham. And Abraham responds with this gift of a tenth of all that he has. He gives it to Melchizedek, and in a sense, giving to God through him. He, he does it spontaneously. He doesn't have to do it. No one's asking him to do it. It just seems to come from from him, as part of my thanks and my joy in what's just happened here, he gives. So this, this mysterious transaction takes place. That's way before the law. Then as we kind of read on, we find in the law that God says, this is, the law is really describing, this is when God says, this is, this, is, this is what I would love to see amongst my people. This is the shape that I would love my people to have. This is the way that I'd love them to, to act and to, the things I'd love them to do. This is kind of give you a, a, brief, a, a sketch uh, of what it, what it would look like. And right, right there in the law is this giving. God's saying, I want my people to be a people who give like me. I love to give. I want them to join in me with my giving. I want them to know how, what a joy it is to give and how things work best in my world when people give. And so he describes in various ways, um, Leviticus 27, you can read about it. He says, just give away. I mean, I to be honest, again, difficulties are not sometimes a little bit hard for me to pin down. But basically, there's this principle of giving away 10% of your harvest or your herd. Your harvest or your herd. Just give it away. God says, just if you want to, this is what, this is the shape and the look that I want for my people. This is because it displays what I'm like, because this is what my glory looks like. As my people give away all that I'm giving to them. I want my people who represent me and fill the earth with my glory, to be generous givers, because that's what I'm like. But it doesn't stop there, because there's a, I know this is just, this is just my thought on the matter, that if you command people to give, there's something missing in it, because they're giving because they have to give. And so you come to this thing, free will offerings, which I find fascinating, which is giving over and above what you're required to give. He says, I want, you to, I want you to give 10% away, and there's a lot of specification about that. But do you know what? I want you to give away over and above that. Because there's something in that which reflects so much the heart of God. Because it's, it's initiated by him. It's willingly. It's joyfully. It's because you want to. You just want to give. And the first time we read about that is um, in Exodus 35. This is the first time I came across it anyway. Um, where God relays the instructions for the building of the tabernacle. And just read it. I've tried to kind of condense it down a little bit so we can just we can catch the heart of it. They need gold to build the tabernacle. And so the word goes out, does anyone want to give gold to, to help build the tabernacle? Don't have to do it, but if you want to, you, you can be a part of it. Whoever is of a generous heart, this is what Moses relays to the people, whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. And listen to their response. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting. All who were of willing hearts brought all sorts of gold objects. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything, brought it 
as a free will offering to the Lord. You, you see what's so glorious about that? They, they wanted to. They were, they, they were delighted to share in this uh, particular endeavor. And this is the kind of giving the Lord loves. This is the, 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 what, what giving in the Spirit looks like. It's not compelled. It's not forced. There's something that comes because of the nature of a person who's filled with the Spirit of God, who's born from above, that they just delight. They want to give. Now, we've been talking about money. Obviously, it refers to all kinds of things. You can give skills. And in fact, I think in the, even in Exodus 35, there's a different people giving skills. But don't, don't let the generality of this rob you of the particular joy of giving financially. Money is a powerful thing in our minds and our culture. And it, it, we need to be kept safe from it in some ways. It can do all kinds of things. God's encouraging us to join him in this wonderful gift of giving. Not to do with amounts, it's to do with heart. It reflects the glory of God as we do. So I'm going to bring it into land now and say, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's going to get quite practical now because, no, no we're not taking up an offering right now, by the way. Normally you kind of, you'd say this sort of thing and then we'd, we'd have an offering. That's just not the case. I'm not, not doing that this morning. But I do want I don't encourage us in our, in our giving and so it doesn't need a kind of a, a big push and an emotional stir. It's just a gentle nudge. In fact, I know many here are just giving so wonderfully generously in all kinds of ways. I mean, I just got off Ed the, uh, the offering. We, we took up an offering for Syria and Turkey, didn't we? The earthquake kind of situation. Um, was that a, a little while ago now? Just, it was just a spontaneous thing. Just kind of, we all could all see that there was help that was needed. It, it came to like 13, over 13,000, 13,000 pounds and uh, 13,000 pounds, oh, plus 77 pounds, plus 83 pence. It's amazing, isn't it? Just that, that speaks of, the, of the, the generosity of God amongst his people, just responding immediately to something. That's just a, a one-off, quick offering. I know there are many that, that just give week in, week out, month in, month out, just this ongoing giving to the purposes of God. And there's a joy in that. There's a cost in that as well sometimes. Uh, sometimes you kind of think, oh, they, they, I did that, but I couldn't do that. But you know what? Actually, I just, it's just a privilege to be part of giving into what God is doing. So I want to just kind of show you what uh, spirit-filled giving looks like in practice in just a moment. But just to give my testimony, perhaps. Um, before I was a Christian, I got quite angry about, I was my brother becoming a Christian. He started giving his money away. And I thought, that's just disgraceful, How, giving your money away. But I was just wasting mine. I won't even tell you what I was wasting my money on. But as soon as I became a Christian, in fact, to be honest, I mean, I don't know how this works theologically, but even before, as God began to stir in my heart, that this excitement about giving be began to kind of take shape. I remember walking to the post office with, with I was a student, with several hundred pounds check in my, in my hand to give away. And I, I, I was almost in a dream. I thought, what is going on? And I, I posted this thing into the, in the post box. What was that? It's the Spirit of God was beginning to move on someone who before was just dead. And as I became a Christian, giving was just fine. I was happy to give. But I was not very disciplined in giving. And I might have given occasionally, but I just, you know, I, you know me now. I can imagine what it was like back then. I just hadn't, hadn't got it worked out. It actually took someone to come and, we don't do, it this, don't do it like this these days, but they just came on a Sunday and put a form under my nose and said, do you, do you want to give? You fill in that, it'll set up a regular giving kind of deal. I didn't have masses in those days, but I thought, yeah, I do want to give. 
just haven't really thought about it before, and it's never been the kind of the right moment. So I just needed a nudge. Remember that, that mother's nose? Do you remember that scale electrics car? If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you don't need kind of a, a big emotional appeal. It's your nature to give. But sometimes, if you're like me, I just needed a nudge. Hey, there's the form. Fill it in. And do you know, I don't know how many years ago, from, from that day on, got me into a habit of just regular giving. Giving um, monthly in terms of our, in our case. And just, it was 10% at that time. Okay, look in the Old Testament, you see, well, that's the shape that God sort of says. This is what my, this is kind of a good starting point. Does it matter if it's your herd or your uh, harvest? I, I, I just, I don't know, just start 10%, whatever it, whatever it looks like for you. And then you can grow in the grace of giving as you begin to get, get your giving legs. Do you know, I, I feel like, um, who, do, who does that look like? Don't, saying, don't go there, don't go there. <laughs> no. I'm all shook up, yeah, you said it, not me. So, but you remember the foal, just, just we're learning, but you need a little nudge to get started sometimes. If, maybe you're a believer and maybe, you're, maybe you haven't kind of got into that regular habit of giving. And so this is not a big kind of call for an immediate offering. This is just a nudge to say, why don't, you, why don't you just kind of get that in place in your life and glorify God in just the regular giving. So to, to most, this is, um, you're doing it already, but maybe no one's given you that nudge. No one gave me that nudge. And I don't know, it's about a year of being a Christian. I just needed a little nudge. Maybe you need a nudge. I wanted to show you what that looks like. Sometimes we invite people forward, don't we? And we pray for them. And that is, that's a work of the Spirit. That's an opportunity to make space for God to move in our lives. It's a little bit of space and time where we can minister to one another and pray. I want to show you something now which is every bit as spiritual as that. Just that you might not think it looks like it. It might not feel like it. And uh, again, if we put this little PowerPoint up there. It's what our website looks like. Because you can give in different ways. You might, the application of this morning might not be coming to the front and being prayed for. It might be going to the back and picking up a little booklet on giving. It might be going to our website and clicking on give. And then as you click on give, off, off it will go to the next one. And you click on give online now. And do, this, is, this is what spiritual giving looks like. This is what it feels like. It, it's, it's doing this. This is the practical outworking, the practice of putting our, our faith into practice, if you like. It's giving. And you might feel uh, joyful. You might feel this is painful. I, I feel that sometimes. You might feel excited. You, you might feel nothing at all. But this is what spirit-filled giving looks like when we're giving to the Lord for his purposes. And just to say, for me, when I became a Christian, it seemed to me like, as I read the Bible, God's purposes are primarily working out the focus of his kingdom activity is through the church. Of course, all kinds of other wonderful things that subsequently the Lord releases us into, into giving to. But I wanted to get this practice into my life of giving into God's purposes in the local church. But this is what it looks like. Oh, put it up there again. There we go. And then click on to give. And click on to give online now. And then click on to that. It may be, and go on to, it may look like that for you. I just want to, I really want to underline the fact that this is what spirit-filled giving looks like. It can look like you at home, getting your phone out. It can look like you at, you at the end of the meeting. Have we got one of those QR codes? We probably have at the back somewhere. You can point it at a QR code. Yeah, there's one, one at the back there, I think. You just click your camera at it. It will take you to our, to our webpage. It will give you information about giving. If you're giving to the Lord out of, out of love for him and love for people that don't, don't know him yet, and wanting to see his purposes fulfilled in the earth, and trusting him that he will give to you, even as you give away. In fact, trusting that he is giving to you in order that you can give away. It glorifies God. This is what spirit-filled giving 
looks like. It's a free will offering to the Lord. Maybe it looks like talking to Ed. I don't know if Ed's around. Ed helps us with our finances and he can help, help, different, help us give. Is Ed around? <laughs> there he is. There's Ed. In my spirit-filled giving might look like talking to Ed at the end and just saying, I've been, I've been thinking about this. I just felt a little nudge. Might be even adjusting your giving. Might, I've not really thought about it for a long time. I just felt a nudge from the Lord this morning. I want to look at it again. How do, how do I do that? How does that work out? That is spirit-filled giving. Very practical, spirit-filled giving that gives glory to God. Well, why don't we stand together? The band would like to come back. I'm going to pray for us and... Uh, then maybe we've got time just to kind of linger a little bit longer in worship. Father, I thank you that you're a giver. And each one of us here has received so much from you. And thank you that you delight to give. You love to give. You're a cheerful giver. It's your very nature to give. And you're glorified when you do. In fact, when we receive from you with grateful hearts, you're glorified. Lord, I thank you that you gave your son to die for us. We disqualified ourselves. We deserve nothing except death. You sow sin, you reap death. And yet you, you reap the consequences of that for us. This principle wasn't broken, but you reaped it for us. You sent your son to die for us, for our sin. We sowed sin. And you reap the consequences in the person of your son. This is, this is what a giver that you are. And we thank you for it. We thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you that you've given us your spirit, your very presence. You've not withheld yourself from us in any way. We thank you for your wonderful presence in us, not just with us, but in us. You're a giver, Lord. We thank you for it. We thank you that it's changing us, different ones in different ways. But we thank you that as you give to us, we... We're enabled to join in with you in your giving, to join in with your joy in giving in different ways. Lord, thank you for all that you've given us here. We're rich in so many ways. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to give that, to share that with others. Lord, I pray we'd be increasingly generous with our time, with our finances. Not that we'd lose out, but that we'd only gain through it. Father, we think of those that, that need you right now. That, that don't have right now, that are poor materially or in spirit right now. We thank you, Lord, that you give to us, that we can give to others. And join in the joy that you have in giving. And we pray that as we give in different ways of our time, of our finances, of our skills and abilities, of our love and our care, whatever it might be, Lord, that your, your church would be built, that there would be more sons and daughters born from above, more reaped from the sowing of the Lord Jesus in his death and resurrection. Lord, we pray that you would grow your church for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue to worship him, to enjoy him together, all the good things that he has given us, supremely in Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you're a giver. You give and give and give again.